Well, uh, some of you may have read my post on Facebook in the past week uh, when I was trying to plan for this morning's sermon, where I mentioned that Christmas on a Friday is very hard on sermon planning because you've been planning and planning and planning, and all of a sudden you got two days to put something together, and you really want to have it done on Tuesday because Sunday's coming. Truthfully, every Sunday after Christmas is hard. Because you've spent four, five, maybe more weeks talking about the Christmas story. You've spent all this time investing yourself in, in those passages of Scripture, and, and all of a sudden you're looking at where to go next. And so, if you saw that post, I was giving some advice on that post by different people. I have a pastor friend in Alaska who said, well, I always use the Sunday after Christmas to give a state of the church address. Okay? I have a friend who's currently in seminary, and he said, well, maybe with everything going on, we should talk about being in my father's house and go from, from the gospels there. And I said, okay. And I had somebody in town tell me, just show a rerun. Uh, <laughs> today, maybe a bit of each. Um, when I stood in this pulpit on this Sunday last year, I could not pass up the opportunity before me for the name of the sermon. You remember back, it was 2020 Vision. As I prayed and thought about the advice, I pulled out that sermon to read again what it said. And this morning, I know I can't uh, pass up the opportunity again to capitalize on a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Today's sermon is called Hindsight Is. I'm not going to say it. The year. Uh, I'm not brave enough to say the number. But this morning I want to revisit briefly that sermon from last year before I add three points that I believe we need to remember as we face 2021. There was a post on Facebook and a pastor's group I'm a part of about three months back, and it literally said, Well, how did that 2020 vision sermon work out for you? I said, Well, let's find out this morning. This was my thought as I read this. Our, our sermon last year was based out of Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. You know, Joshua has taken over the leadership of Israel. He begins the conquest of the promised land. That's where he is. And in Joshua chapter 1, 7 through 9, it just says, Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. How have I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask you to take this time and use it for your glory. Father, may the words that I speak this morning be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for the gift we celebrated this week. Thank you for the opportunity in front of us. And we ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So very quickly, we're going to go through last year's sermon. We'll still be out about it. I promise. This is a rerun real fast. From the passage last year, we came up with the following points. The first one, have the strength and courage to follow God's instruction no matter the situation. That's pretty good for 2020, I would think. The way 2020 was, we had to step out and do things we didn't like. That also, under that heading, we had to 
strength to follow God's instruction when it's not popular to do so. We also have to have the strength and courage to follow God's instruction when we don't understand why or it doesn't make any sense. That was the first point of last year's sermon. We also talked about the fact that the study of the Bible should play a central part in our lives. And that the only way we can follow God's Word is by knowing God's Word. And that the only way we can know God's Word is by being in God's Word. And then, our last point last year was trust in God's presence and protection in everything you experience. When I went back to that Facebook post, I went, huh, mine turned out pretty good, guys. I, I don't know that we could have gotten any better for what happened. That's 2020 vision. Make sure that God's in the center. Those were words we desperately needed in 2020. But as I look back over this chaotic and divisive year, I had to ask, what can we add to this as we move into a new year full of unknown blessings and challenges? And as I prayed over the past few weeks, I found the song that I sang this morning. I heard it two weeks ago for the first time. I listened to it pretty much nonstop every day over and over for two weeks in between Christmas songs. And I began to say, God, what do we do? We had just come through a year that was unlike anything any of us who were alive had ever experienced. In 1918, a lot of this kind of stuff happened. But they didn't have the internet. Probably made things easier. <laughs> On December 7th, 1941, some of this kind of tragedy happened. But what does Jesus say to things like that. And in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending the disciples out to minister and he warns them of persecution. He warns them of possible death. And then he says there in, in Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 26, he says, Therefore, don't be afraid of them. Since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who was able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid, therefore. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, I'm not going to go line by line and preach another uh, expository sermon this morning, but I want to touch on three truths that I see in this passage we have to remember this year. And the first one is that God is in control. God is in control. This broken world, as the song said, is cradled by the Savior. He's in control. And we look up sometimes and we think there is no control. We think there's a bunch of chaos and we think things are spinning out of control. And, and we wonder, when in the world is this going to stop? And how is this going to happen? But God is in control. That amazes me. Because how many times this year have we all gone, 
This makes absolutely no sense. We do realize that most of the gospel makes absolutely no sense. One of the biggest fights I ever had in family was over the gospel. Because I made the comment, this shouldn't make sense. God came to earth and was killed. And he rose again. We go, oh yeah, that makes sense because we know Jesus. But if you're outside the faith and you're looking in, you're going, huh? No, no, that doesn't make any sense. But it, but it does make sense to us. God's in control. And so even back, even back before he came, before he, he, he showed up 2,000 years ago as a baby, before he came, he had it all planned out. Every step along the way. Everything that happened, he knew. He was in control. And that's hard for us to grasp when we look back over the entirety of Scripture. Because God created Adam and Eve and they put them in a, in a perfect place with, with absolutely no knowledge of sin and no sin had been committed. And He gave them one instruction and they botched it up. And so, I heard it preached when I was younger and I went, this makes no sense because it didn't make it. And it still doesn't make sense. This isn't the right way. They would say, well, Adam and Eve messed it up, so God made the law, and we couldn't keep the law, so then he sent Jesus. But the Bible tells us that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So Jesus has always been to come. Jesus was always the sacrifice. God has always been in control, and so he had enough foreknowledge and foresight to know that when he planted that tree, that man was going to be stupid enough to go, sure, baby, give me a bite. Because, see, we want to blame it on her, but it wasn't her fault. It was his fault because he was the one who heard from God. There was something wrong with that relationship. You know? Can you imagine? You married men. Maybe I shouldn't ask the married men this question. We have If God spoke to you and told you, don't eat this tree or you're going to die, and your wife says, well, baby, it looks good. Are you going to let her take a bite of it to test it out? That was pretty selfish there. Well, things were messed up in the world before it ever happened. That's, that's pretty messed up. I mean, sure, baby, you take a bite. If you don't die, I'll take one too. That's what happened. But God knew that was going to happen. God understood. God knew that when Israel came out of Egypt... They were going to ask for a king. He knew it. And he even had Samuel warn him. You don't want a king. Because if you get a king like everybody else around you, he's going to rule it over you. And he's going to take people from you. He's going to take land from you. He's going to do things that lead you in a wrong direction sometimes. But we want a king. So we gave him a king. And what the king do? The wrong thing. God knew. That Israel was going to fall away. And he was going to, they were going to do all the things they were supposed to do and they were going to have to go into exile. God knew. He was in control. He understood. And God knows today everything that's going on with us. He knows all the trials and all the struggles. He knows all the bad feelings and the hurt feelings and everything else. He's in control and he knows. And he understands. And he gets it. And we may not understand it. It may hurt us to our core. 
Because I have to drive to West Texas again. Why? Because another person that I love has died. I don't understand. But I'm going to go. Because God is in control. And he knew that this was going to happen. I told Matt today, or the other day, or whenever, I'm always talking to Matt. Um, I think I told him multiple times. That I was never going to be the kind of pastor who went to my former church to do funerals because I want that new pastor to have a chance to bomb up the people. But I never expected a pandemic where these people would not have a chance to know their pastor. But God knew. And it just so happens that these two people I had close relationships with. And so they had somebody they could call. God knew. God is in control. Nothing that has happened or that is going to happen is outside of his control. God is in control. The next thing is that God is never surprised. My faith. I'm back in Genesis again. They've eaten the fruit. They know that they're naked. And they put on some leaves. And then they hear God walking in the garden and they hide. They've never done that. And God says, Adam! Adam, where are you? Well, um, we heard you walking and we hid because we were naked. Who told you you were naked? God knew that they what happened? But he asked anyway. Why? Because man had to respond. Man had to acknowledge what he had done. You know, when I'm in the living room and I hear screaming from the bedroom and I say, come here, and I say, what's going on? I know what's going on. But I asked the question anyway. God's never surprised. When we find ourselves in tough situations, God's not surprised. When this pandemic popped up, God wasn't surprised. God's not surprised when, when we have to have surgery. God's not surprised when we find ourselves sick. God's not surprised when, when, when the ends don't come together. God's not surprised. He's never surprised. I can't do anything to surprise God. I mean, can you imagine trying to throw Jesus a surprise party? The disciples are all hiding in, in the room. You know, Mary's over there in the corner with the, with the flame ready to lock that lamp. And Jesus walks in the back door and says, Hey guys, we're surprised. Because God's not surprised. You can't surprise God. Nothing that happens in our life surprises God. When we look at this passage here, we see that, that God's not surprised by these things. He knows everything about us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. You tried counting those lately? For some of us, it's harder than others. Some of us may have a really easy time. But God knows. And He's never surprised by the things that happen. He's not surprised and caught off guard. We're so caught off guard, we find ourselves reeling from things and we're caught off guard. God's never surprised. God wasn't shocked when Lazarus died. It didn't surprise God 
when Jesus on the cross cried out to him and asked him, where are you? God's not surprised by anything. It didn't surprise God when I've done all the things I've done in my life to push him away. It doesn't surprise God. Carrie and I had a, an argument when we first got together. We almost didn't get married because of it. It was a huge argument in her mind. It wasn't a big argument in my mind. Because Carrie wanted me to say that we were getting married because I needed her. No. What? But I don't need you. And I said, and you shouldn't want me to need you. I said, we're getting married because I feel God called me to do it, but because I want you. Well, that's not good enough. How is that not good enough? <laughs> because I need you to need me. No. Because if I need you, there's something deficient in the relationship. But if I choose you and I want you, and that's the reason we are together is because I want you. It's a much deeper relationship. To me, the most amazing thing is that God is never surprised about all the stuff that I do, but He still wants me. You know, I say this and some people don't like it, but the one thing that I hate people saying at funerals is, God needed them more than you did. No! I needed them. God doesn't need anything. God is sufficient in Himself. But God wanted them. How much more powerful is it that though He is never surprised at how fallen and horrible we may be, He still wants me. God is never surprised. The last thing this morning that we need to remember in 2021 is that you are exactly where God wants you to be. Ooh. We don't like hearing that sometimes. Because sometimes where we are is not where I want to be. When I look down like Jenny in the song and, and I have this bill here and I have this much money in the account and this doesn't cover this, I don't want to be there. But God has me there for a reason. When I got the call, the same call that Bob got in the song, when I got the call there in Abilene that mom had cancer and I moved home, didn't understand. And then it wasn't cancer. But if I hadn't done that, I never would have experienced what I experienced at the Hispanic Church in Fort Worth. God put me exactly where He wanted me to be. And there was another church that we'd been talking to seriously that we just completely lost contact with at that point. It was a little church in necessity. You know where necessity is? Necessity Baptist Church. They got my resume because their door was open. And I walked in and laid it on the table. And, we, and, and I preached there for three months, you know, going over all this stuff, doing this stuff. And, and there was a relationship, and God pulled us away. There's lots of snakes by that parsonage, so that's probably a good thing for Carrie's sake. 
But then we can hear there's a snake. So, you know, there's poetic justice, I guess. But you're exactly where God wants you to be. In the good stuff and the bad stuff, there's a reason. He has you there. There's a reason He allows it. You're where He wants you to be. Maybe, maybe that tragedy is what's going to help you minister to someone else. Tragedy has a way of changing your view. Because when you have tragedy, you begin to understand tragedy. Is there anything in my life that I look back and wouldn't have wanted to go through? No. Did I want to go through it when I was in it? Absolutely not. But I was where God wanted me to be. This year can be whatever we allow it to be. Whatever God leads us to make it. Hindsight is looking back and seeing how what I've come through has made me who I am. As we move into 2021, everybody says, eat your black eyed peas. I'm not going to, I don't think. I ate three servings last year, and look what happened. So, I mean, I need any black eyed peas this year. I don't know. There is so much possibility in everything. As, as much as we've hated what's happened this year, it's done some things. It forced us to find a way to provide lifestyle. So now, when people can't be here, they can still be here. I'm sitting there watching on my phone to make sure it doesn't go down, and there are probably 10 or 15 people watching this service this morning at home who couldn't be here for one reason or another. For some of us, it, it retaught us what it meant to spend time with family. This world is so chaotic and so busy that sometimes we lose sight of what it means just to slow down and say, okay, let's spend time together. Because if I have one regret in this life, it's that I didn't spend more time with Mama before she left. That's it. It's my Mama's fault. I will admit that. Because I was newly married and Mama said, you need to go to her parents and build those relationships. I don't need you here for the holidays. And I listened to Mama. I shouldn't have listened to Mama. 
And that's where I'm at. I shouldn't have listened to Mama because Mama's gone. The most important thing we can give anybody is time. And that's what God does for us. He gave us time throughout the Old Testament to prepare for the coming of Jesus. He gives us time to come to know Him on our own. And He gives us time with Him and His Word when we spend that time to talk to Him each day. This morning, maybe you have some, some resentment or some anger or something built up because of this year. Let it go. Let it go. What, what is it? What does it matter? Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll, I'll pray with you. Maybe this morning you want to turn to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe, maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your son. What a better way to start off the year than to know the one who came so that you could live. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him that you pray for me. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.